a day after the Sabbath, after the death of Jesus, two disciples gather, gather themselves up for a day's journey. They leave their friends, their, their community, their fellow disciples in defeat. They leave bereft and hopeless. They talk as they walk, and their conversation circles around the events of Jesus' execution, but their conversation just spirals down as if going down a drain. It leads nowhere except to despair. One can almost feel the, the weight pressing down on them. You can almost feel in your bones the, the pain that brings them up short and stops them in their tracks when they are asked by that stranger what they are talking about on the road. We are told they stood still, looking sad. When Cleopas finds words, there is a surprised pain in his voice when he, when he responds to the, the question of the stranger. Cleopas says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? To Cleopas, it's it is as if the, the whole world ought to look different after Jesus' death. For to him, it does. So Cleopas goes on to, to share the news of Jesus, of all that has happened. And captured in the middle of all that he has to say, there is this expression, we had hoped. We had hoped that Jesus was the one to redeem Israel. There's such melancholy in that expression, we had hoped. We had hoped for the transformation of our nation. We had hoped that we would be free of the Roman occupation. They hope and hoped that Jesus would bring about the, the restoration of the people as a sign of God's favor. They they had hoped for a renewal of the covenant with God that would, that would manifest itself in, a, in the promotion of a new justice and a new peace. And now their hopes all seem for naught. I'm sure we can, we can sympathize with these two disciples, for we too have hoped only to have those hopes unrealized. We have hoped for things in our, in our national life and for the state of our world. And we've hoped for things closer to home, too. We, we've, we've hoped for things for our families, for our, for our parents and our children. We have hoped for things in, in relationships with lovers and with friends. We've had hopes for, for jobs and for health, for success financial well-being. We have hoped, and for each of us, there are times where our, 
our hopes have not been fulfilled and not have been realized. These, the hope of these two disciples is theirs in particular. But really, it could have been any hope. It could have been all, all hopes. What these two uh, disciples come to experience is a, is a journey of hope then transformed, right? They will be shown by a stranger, who just happens to be Jesus, how to make sense of the events of the Christ's suffering and death. The scriptures are, are opened up for them, and, and they will have a stranger open their eyes and their hearts and their minds. And these, these two, in response, they'll, they'll reach out in hospitality to this stranger, and they will invite this stranger to be their guest, only to discover that the guest has become the host. And they will have their, their eyes open to the presence of Christ in their midst, in the, in the blessing and breaking and sharing of bread. And it is only in hindsight that they will be able to recognize how their hearts burned but it is these burning hearts that will send them out to retrace their steps and return to their friends with good news to share. Now, if we pay attention to the encounter that these two disciples have with the risen Christ, then, then we will also see in this pattern the pattern of our own worship. We come to this place, bearing our hopes, bearing our hardships, bearing our joys. Perhaps, like those two disciples, we come here on the verge of despair. Perhaps we come looking to see our lives interpreted in light of the promise of God's love as it has been revealed in the, the story of the people of Israel and in Jesus and in the infant community that rose up around Jesus. And ultimately, we gather around a table, and we invite Jesus to be present, only to discover that he is, is hosting us, welcoming us. And afterwards, we are sent back out into the world to, to share and embody the good news of the risen Christ with the world. Now, obviously, these two disciples, they've had a profound experience but in principle, it is no different from what we experience. Yes, perhaps my sermons give heartburn and not burning hearts. <laughs> but in principle, it is no different. Now, you might be saying, okay, Nate, so now what? They experienced the risen Christ only more directly. What about us? And perhaps, okay, perhaps. But it's worth recognizing how fleeting that experience was for those two disciples. It's worth recognizing that there is nothing for them to grasp and hold on to after that experience. 
They only have the memory to carry forward. They have no souvenirs. It is just a moment. Yes, a moment which opens their eyes and makes new experiences possible, but it is also a moment, just like any moment. It comes and it goes. It is just a moment, a moment that will inevitably cause them to to question it and interrogate it and indeed to doubt it. And in that way, their moment is just like many of our moments when we have spiritual encounters. Perhaps they feed us, but they will also be doubted and questioned. But there's also something else to recognize in all of this about these two disciples, and it's about their hopes. Because their hopes, the hopes that they had had, are not realized after their encounter with the risen Christ. In some sense, nothing will have changed for them. We must see this in a certain light. Nothing has changed for Cleopas and the other disciples. Israel still suffers under Roman occupation. They are are still left with the questions of now what and what next. Their problems, they have not vanished. They have not been whisked away. They still face all of the, the hardships and the trials of their old lives. All of that remains. None of it has changed. None of it. And yet, from another angle, from the only angle that ultimately matters, everything has changed. Here is an encounter that changes their relationship with their hopes. Here, in this encounter with the risen Jesus, the nature of their dreams have changed. Here, after this encounter with the risen Christ, new actions become possible because a new life has been made available. This encounter changes their relationships with their their friends and with their families, with strangers and with enemies. It changes the nature of the relationship that they will have with their own selves even. Their own lives are now cast in a different light. As they meet the risen Jesus, new life breaks into their old lives. This new life, this life that transcends the disappointment of the moment, they will come to discover is shot through with God's love and with God's grace. And they will discover that the meaning and purpose of this new life is unassailable. It is indestructible because it is is tied to the victory of God's love enfleshed in the victory of Jesus over sin and death. 
This victory, yes, it's about life after death, but even more so, this victory is new life that makes their present lives truly possible and truly free. Now, these two disciples, and we too, can be free from fear. Now, we can be free from from meaninglessness. Now, we can be free to be forgiven and to accept our own faults. For we are not defined by our worst acts, and our dignity has been returned to us. And as such, so too, now we are free to forgive others and to make space in our lives for those who have wronged us. Now we we can be free to love as God loves, without bounds and without discrimination. As we come to encounter the risen Christ, we are able to live no longer for ourselves alone or for our own narrow self-interest reflected in our concern for, for our people and our land and our identity. Now, we can live no longer for ourselves alone, but for him who died for us and rose again. And we will meet and know this one in both the neighbor and in the stranger, and in the the broken, open word of the scriptures, and in the breaking of the bread, and echoing throughout creation. For those disciples who walked the road of Emmaus, and so too with us, nothing has changed, and everything is changed. The old life remains, but a new life has emerged. Nothing is changed, but everything is changed. The old woes, the old sufferings, the old dashed hopes, they continue. But those wounds have been transfigured and transformed in the light of the risen Christ. Nothing is changed, but everything has changed. Yes, the risen Christ is a a fulfillment and a manifestation of the promise of the God of life and love, the God who brings life out of death and a way forward from dead ends. And yet this, this new light is not a promise that has been fully realized. At least not yet. The promise, like ourselves, exist in the space of the already and the not yet, awaiting fulfillment of the promise, trusting that the promise has already begun. The wounds remain, and yet in the light of Christ, they are transformed. For indeed, nothing 
has changed. But so too has everything. Amen.